Welcome to Annoying Week 2. Uh, if you missed last week, what we said was is that we all know this guy, and we are that guy. Uh, all of us can be annoying, and we have to get to that place where we realize that we can be as annoying as the people around us, and that we might be the problem. Um, but just, just as a caveat, from my perspective, there are still some things that just annoy me so bad. They just, they just drive me nuts. And one of them is this. Can anybody like identify with this? Like when someone is eating, I'm just like, oh, like, and honestly, this is what happens. Katie and I, she'll come home from work and she'll be telling me about her day and eating at the same time. And I'm just like, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I'm going to turn the water on. Let's just turn the water on just to get some noise in the room. Like, and then I, like, I'll turn something, like a TV on or something because I just can't. And there'll be times when I get to that place where I'm just like, okay, like, I can't talk right now. Because until you're done eating, don't talk to me. Until you're done eating, just, let's, let's just not have that conversation. And I get to this really annoyed place where I'm just like, oh, and I almost leave the room because I cannot stand that sound. And then gulping and, get me out of here. I can't stand it. And what I find um, is that with, with this, this trait, there's one little thing that has helped me kind of make the difference. When something annoys me, um, I have to kind of like switch my mindset. And the only way I can get through when, when she's eating or when I'm around someone else that, that is eating and I'm not eating and I can hear everything is to, to understand that she's really hungry. And when I, when I know like she's really hungry, I'm like, all right, I can tolerate. Yeah, that's gross, but keep eating. Just eat because this will go faster. That's the only way I can get through it. And what I found is that like I get annoyed by certain things and by certain people, especially just the little things. Like there's, there's always the big, like the big things like I talked about last week, like someone hitting my car or being rude or road rage or some of those things. It's like that person is annoying, but there's a whole other level of annoying that is just kind of the interpersonal relationship stuff that drives me crazy that the only way I can get through it is if I try to understand where the person is coming from. And then I realized, you know, it's not so much that they're annoying, it's actually that I am irritable. Anybody ever been there? Like, this is actually more about me than them. You see, if you go through your world, you might have some people in your life, and they're not like the all of this. They're not like totally crazy, or they're not totally self-inflicted, or they're not totally helpless, but because you, and if you're like me, then I hear these people, and I hear someone that just constantly brings up, I don't know, let's just say politics. How about on the internet? And then I go like, that person is crazy. That person is crazy. And ultimately, like, I have to evaluate and go like, are they really crazy, or am I just in a bad mood right now? How about like, Maybe you have some family members that every time you get together with them, something's, something's wrong. Something's gone wrong. And you get to that place where it's like you hear the reason that something has gone wrong. And I, and I have several different people, relationships, friends, where like they're always like something's going wrong. And I hear what's going wrong. And the whole time I'm just like, you did it to yourself. Like, this is annoying. Can we stop talking about your self-inflicted problems? Like, stop doing that. Stop, stop 
Stop talking to people that way. Stop behaving that way. Stop, stop treating the world that way. Stop thinking of your money that way. And I'm just like, man, you did that to yourself. You did it to yourself. And then I realized that like, the only reason I'm annoyed by the person that's crazy and brings up politics all the time, the self-inflicted person that's just constantly in the middle of a problem is a lot of times just because I have an attitude problem. And I'm just not at all thinking about them, I'm thinking about me. I'm just, just, just thinking about me and I'm like, I wouldn't do it that way. If you would do it my way, then it would be different. How about the person that's helpless? How about the person that just constantly um, is, uh, is, is, is in, this, in this place in your life and you know there's nothing else you can do for them, right? Like you, you just, you know, like even if I, I mean, for me, just to be totally honest, it's like you never know what's happening when someone's standing on the side of the road holding a sign saying, you know, we'll work or feed, want to feed someone or give money. And you just like drive up and you're parked there. And, and for me, there's a lot of times I'm just like, this person's annoying me. Because, like, I can't help them. Like, this is their problem. And even if I give them 20 bucks, like, I don't know what they're going to do with it or whatever. And, like, my attitude is the reason that they're helpless. As opposed to me going, what's really going on in this person's world? And what I find is that, like, there are people that are kind of like this at different levels in my life. And maybe they're, they're, there's people like this in your life. And I find that when I see the world this way, a bunch of crazy, self-inflicted, helpless people that I avoid those people. I avoid annoying people. Like I'm just like, get me away, get me away. And ultimately, what I have found when I am dodging people, when I'm like moving around people, or I'm trying to act like it doesn't exist, or whatever the case may be, where I'm, 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 I have this attitude problem, is, is I've found that that's, that's what it is, is that when I'm annoyed, it's because of my attitude. You know, and a lot of times we look at it and we go, it's them. And last week we talked about how we're annoying. But a lot of times we perceive the world as annoying because of what's going on in us. Something that's just not right. Maybe a hard heart, maybe some bitterness, maybe some selfishness, maybe some pride. Where the world just revolves around you. And anytime these crazy, helpless, self-inflicted people come into your world, you just go, ugh, I'm annoyed. And I've spent so much time, especially in my job, when I see people crazy, self-inflicted, helpless, where I'm just like, oh, if I'm not in a good mood, where I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, like I'll just walk a different way and avoid them. And maybe you can relate to that. And what I find so fascinating and so refreshing at the same time is that Jesus Christ who, as 514 Church, we say we follow. We, we want to model life after him. We want to do life the way that, that he did life. We want to see people the way that he sees people. We want to act and behave and, and think the best way we can and, 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 and model the way Jesus thought. Is that where I avoid annoying people because of my sometimes bad attitude, Jesus pursues those people. Jesus pursues those people that are crazy, that are self-inflicted, that are helpless. I mean, he doesn't just tolerate them. He pursues them. He moves into their world. He cares about them deeply. He puts himself in their place. And when that thing is annoying, he understands the reason why. And he moves even closer. 
And when I think about Jesus Christ, when I think about our Savior, who on his, his, throughout his time on, on earth and his ministry, just constantly moved towards people and showed us a way to view the world and view people and view relationships that's so different, it's really, really cool to look closely at. Where you and I might find someone annoying, Jesus moves towards them. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, but one of the reasons I just kind of, I want to unpack to you today why Jesus pursues annoying people. And my goal for you as you hear that is, is as whatever that person is or whoever that person is when they're crazy, helpless, self-inflicted, whatever that thing is, whether it's just your spouse or a friend or someone you just kind of just at certain times you get away from because, man, oh, on that topic, I don't want to hear. Whatever it is, is that you would find something inside of you today to take a step closer to those people when that attitude of annoyance comes up. And I believe I know what that is, and I believe that Jesus models it, and it's this really special word. It's called empathy. It's called empathy. You see, I believe that Jesus pursues annoying people because his attitude towards people is completely different. And there's several different definitions of the word empathy, but here's one I want to put in front of you just for our conversation today. Empathy is the ability to pause our thoughts and feelings in order to connect with others' thoughts and feelings. The ability to go, I'm, I'm not worried about me. I'm going to stop what I think. I'm going to stop what I feel. And I'm going to actually move over into this very scary territory of thinking about what that person is going through and actually connecting with them and to them on an emotional level. Because when you do that, what you find out is a couple things. You find out that those people are a lot more like you than you thought. And you find out that they're going through something that's more difficult than that annoying thing that they're doing is portraying. And so what I want us to just remember for the rest of our lives, if, if, if you don't hear anything at all, if you don't hear anything else that I say, if you didn't hear anything up to this point and, and, and you're still thinking about my tight pants, which I'm, I'm sorry about that, I guess I'll never wear those again. Unfortunately, I like those pants, but everyone's talking about them, so I guess I can't. Um, is this, the more empathy you have, the less annoyed you'll be. The more empathy you have, the less annoyed you'll be. Your ability to connect with people on an emotional level, to think what they're, about what they're thinking about, to feel what they're feeling, to actually remove yourself from the center of your world and put somebody else in the center of your world will actually change the way you view people. And this attitude that you or I have, that which we all have, and I have it probably worse than anybody else, will start to melt away into something called empathy or even more specifically, uh, compassion, to where you really care about people. And it's easy to kind of uh, simplify this idea of empathy and talk about these, these people out there, the, the ones that are really struggling, the ones that, that, are, that are helpless, pitiful, self-inflicted and go, man, I need to have a different attitude towards them. But really what I, I want to bring this is, is to, to your home and to, to the people that you interact with because that's where this matters. It doesn't really matter if you're empathetic towards people you never interact with. You've got to bring this right into your home and start to actually care and have a heart of compassion for the people that you're doing life with. Jesus pursues annoying people. 
He doesn't just feel for them. He feels them. He connects with them. He understands them. And then he moves into their world. I'm going to show you a couple different examples of this. This is so exciting and cool. And, and, and just we're going to look at it three different chunks of scripture today. And I just want to encourage you that if you care about how life is supposed to be lived out, like if you, if you feel like, like maybe there's some instruction somewhere about how your relationships could improve and how your life could improve, then I will tell you that even if you don't believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, which most of his followers did not believe he was the Savior of the world until years and years later after the resurrection, like if you don't believe, you can look into just the way that Jesus interacted and viewed people and see a roadmap for a different and a better life. In Matthew 8, uh, 28, verse 34, Jesus has been uh, spending time with lots of people. He has been spending time with crowds, and he has been healing and doing things that, that cause more crowds to come. And what we'll find is that Jesus, when he would get tired because he was fully human, he would go out on a boat because that was the place that he could be surrounded by the least amount of people. And even though he was empathetic and even though he cared and he had a great attitude and he showed that, he still got tired. And then what happens is, is he goes on boats and as he gets to the other side or wherever he's landing, then immediately more people with more problems pop up. And this is the case in Matthew 8. When he arrived at the other side in the region of uh, Gadarnas, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs, met him. Two demon-possessed men are waiting for Jesus as he gets off of a boat. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. I just, just want you to think about that. They were so violent that people were deciding when they would get off of this boat at this spot, they would decide to go a different way and avoid these people. You could say that these demon-possessed people, if there was ever a crazy person, if there was ever someone to avoid, it was these people. These were people that were not only loud, they were not only obnoxious, they were violent. And if you could ever justify moving in opposite direction from these people, this was the moment. Jesus could have said, you know what, for safety's sake, we're going to go a different way. But that's not what happens. They were so violent. What do you want to do with us? As, as it picks up, you see that right away Jesus goes towards them. What do you want to do with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Jesus pursues annoying people. He goes right towards them. And he starts a conversation with them. He cares. He engages some distance from, the lar from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Just, just pause. They run into the town. And they said, you know those two, like, annoying, possessed guys that, like, stay in that same spot all the time? Yeah, yeah, those guys. 
Well, Jesus, you heard of Jesus? Yeah, Jesus, he came into town and he went and talked to them. He talked to them? Yeah, he went and pursued them. Man, those people that we've written off, those people that are uh, in this story out of town, rejected, he went right up to them. Jesus went right up to those two guys? Yeah, he talked to them. And then he sent them, he, he talked to them and he sent the demon, whatever was going on, he caused the whole, like, you know Frank? Yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frank's pigs. Yeah, Frank's pigs. He made them all die and go into some water, and they died. What? Yeah, but the demon-possessed guys were okay. They're, they're, they're not crazy anymore. Yeah, but tell me about Frank's pigs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he sent the demons into the pigs, and the pigs died. But Jesus talked to the demon-possessed men, and now they're normal. Now they're sane. But he killed all the pigs? Man, Jesus is a punk. That's what they say. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave. Jesus pursues annoying people. And then he does things for annoying people, the crazy people in our lives, that other people still disdain. Now, come on, we're talking about two demon-possessed men. That may sound hard to just grasp because it is, and it should be, and we don't experience it on that level. These are men who are talking to Jesus as if they kind of understand the heavenly realms. Are you coming to talk to us before the time is up? If you know anybody that you would call crazy, you know they talk a lot of Bible stuff. They've been doing that for years. These guys are crazy. And Jesus goes and talks right to him. Man, can I just say, like, Jesus pursues the possessed. He goes after them. Who in your world right now is so crazy that you want nothing to do with them? And don't make it this big them, those people out there. How about someone in your family? How about someone who you spend time with? You just go, I disagree with them about an issue. How about their mind is messed up and it's like tough to get through because maybe they have an illness. Anybody have a someone in their life without showing hands mentally ill in your family? I'm pretty sure you do. And if they haven't got diagnosed, you're just waiting for it. Because you're just sure. And in your mind, come on, let's be honest, you've gone... I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to pursue them. They annoy me. Man, what would our faith look like demonstrated when we pursue someone like that? Jesus is just the king of this. He just pursues annoying people. Everybody say, Jesus pursues annoying people. Jesus pursues annoying people. We avoid them. He pursues them. He looks at them and he knows they're hurting. You see, with the possessed men, he's thinking, these men have more. I care about them. What about their families? What about their town? What about their livelihood? And as he moves towards these possessed men, he has empathy. And where everybody else is thinking about themselves, Jesus is thinking about the two men, not the pigs. The men, he cares for them. 
and he pursues them. He does this again in Matthew 9. This is a classic passage of a man, and I can't get into all the details, but this man, this man Levi, who uh, his name became Matthew, he was a tax gatherer. And uh, all I can tell you about that is he was a Jew who sold out his nation to work for the Romans to collect money from his Jewish countrymen. And so basically he was like, I'm just going to take the path of least resistance and I'm going to make a lot of money off of my people. So Rome comes in, they, over, they overtake all of Jerusalem, and then some of the Jews go and say, can I have a job? And they're like, yeah, you want the job, you're going to take the taxes from your fellow countrymen. And what that meant is that this guy was hated. He was hated, but he chose it. He picked it. He made the decision to join the Romans and inflict pain and problems upon all of his countrymen. And so his problems, as people hated the tax gatherers, you could call those self-inflicted. It was like, Levi, you did this, you did it to yourself. And a lot of Jewish people would never spend time with him, would just, just sneer at him and say comments to him while they're dropping their taxes off at the tax booth. You traitor, you did it to yourself. And if anything would go wrong with these people, you could imagine that the country and the people and the, the Jews would go, huh, they deserve it. They got what was coming to them. But not Jesus. Jesus looks at someone who actually makes a decision that is going to cause them pain. And when we would hear about that, if you were to talk to Matthew, he might be like, man, this was a rough go. Jesus, can we have coffee? I made this decision to join the Romans, but man, now my family and everyone around me hates me. And you, would see, you could see someone going, well, you're stupid. Why'd you do that? You did this to yourself. Not Jesus. Jesus knows he did it. Jesus understands why he did it, and he pursues him. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth follow me. I mean, you just, you just, Jesus pursues annoying people. Just never forget that. He goes and says, follow me. Everyone else is going, get, get away from me. I want nothing to do with you. Do we have to go down that road and pay that tax? Yeah, we do, because we have to go by the tax gatherer's booth. Man, if there was anything I could do to avoid that, I would. Jesus goes, no, 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 we're going we're going to walk right by him. In fact, I'm going to talk to him. You want to talk to him? You want to talk to the tax gatherer? Yeah, I got something to say to him. Oh, man. This guy is the worst. Why would you want to talk to him, Jesus? Because God has something bigger for him. Could it be that Matthew, he joined the Romans for his own personal prideful gain and he caused lots of problems in his life? But Jesus looks at his life and goes, Oh, I've got even more for you. I've got something even better for you. I've got a kingdom that's bigger than Rome. How about you be a part of it? Can you imagine the other disciples who avoid annoying people, who are just like, get them away from me. Can you imagine the other disciples, what they thought in their hearts when Jesus says, hey, you want to join the group? Every moment Jesus interacted with people, the disciples have a close-up view of God, who he is, how he treats people, how he sees people. And where you and I might go the other way, he pursues, he pushes. Why? Empathy. 
There's more. I have something for you. I want to help you. I want to see you grow. He told him, Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Jesus pursues annoying people. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does Jesus pursue the most annoying people in our culture? Why does Jesus pursue the tax gatherers and sinners? Oh, Jesus, thank you for giving this answer. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. That's what we're doing today. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Man, if you don't pursue annoying people, there's no one left to pursue. Jesus looks at people in their broken state of being and goes, I want to be a part of that. I know you're broke. I know you're hurt. I know you made these self-inflicted decisions that are causing you and the people around you problems. And I am not going to stop moving towards you. Because Jesus had this ability to go, even though he is in a higher status, he kind of sold his soul. And I came for those who feel like their life is over. I came for those who feel like they don't have a chance. I came for those whose relationships with God are sick. And I came to bring that and heal them, see them get closer. Jesus pursues annoying people. Man, I don't. He pursues the possessed. He pursues the pathetic. You could call Matthew pathetic. You did it to yourself. You and I might walk away, wash our hands, go the other way. Jesus doesn't. Here's another one in Matthew 20. And Jesus said to his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. Guys, who is that today? This story matters today. Who's sitting by the roadside today? What's your disposition towards the blind person today? That's the message. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. These are people oh, who can't see. You know what that means? That means that the empathy, that the love, that the grace, that the mercy of Jesus had spread like wildfire so much that people who couldn't see it heard it. Two blind men on the side of the road overhearing conversation about a God who pursues annoying people. They hear, they hear, they hear. The crowd rebuked them. This is you and me. I mean, you know what? It's not you, it's me. I'm preaching to myself. This is me. 
You're annoying. Be quiet. You understand the text here. Son of David to the, to the Israelites. That meant he's the king. He is so much better and bigger and has so much more to offer and he's so much more important than you blind people. He's the son of David. What are you doing calling out to him? You can't talk to him. Shh, you're annoying. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. We know, we've heard, we haven't seen, we've just heard that you love people where they are, you connect with them on an emotional level, and you bring healing. Lord, pursue us as you have pursued others. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asks. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. That's You want your sight? Come on. I'm the king. Don't you want to know me? Don't you want a relationship with me? Don't you want to know the king? I'm here only for a minute. Don't you want to come have dinner with me? No, 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 no. We want our sight. These broken people couldn't see, if you will, past their own noses. They couldn't understand that there was more of the world. All they were thinking about was them. And Jesus had every right in that moment. What do you want from me? We want our sight. Come on, can't you get outside of yourself? Ask for something bigger. Come on, I'm here. I can give you bread. At least you can make it through the rest of this time if I can help you. You don't need your sight, but he just, just does the opposite. Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes. Immediately they received sight and they followed him. This is the way Jesus is. Jesus has empathy. He goes, oh, I know that they don't understand what they need. I know they think that if they just had their sight that everything would be all right. But actually, it's way, way bigger than that because ultimately what people need is just a relationship with me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to meet them in their brokenness. Even though it's pitiful. Even though there's nothing else to do for them. I'm going to give them their sight. And through that, they followed him. Could it be that the most influence you'll ever have on someone is someone that you can empathize with? Someone that you connect with on an emotional level? This is Jesus. You understand, the picture of Jesus is in so many ways designed to make us worship Jesus. All right, it's not something we go, you gotta be like Jesus, you gotta do like Jesus, you have to do everything that Jesus did. I mean, of course, that's the goal, but ultimately what it's supposed to do is go, God, at a heart level, we're not even there. Like, we can, like, pretend to be like you. We can act like you. We can say the right things. We can memorize something. But ultimately, at a heart level, we see possessed, pathetic, pitiful people. And you see wonderful people that you want to connect with on an emotional level. That you want to see their lives changed. I've learned some things about empathy, and, and, and so I'm going to kind of land us there because I think that Jesus, he taught a lot of different things, and, and one of the things that he taught was people are going to know. People are going to know that you're my disciples 
by how you love one another, but he actually uses a word, he says, if. He says, by this people will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. And I believe at a a family level, at a work level, at a day-to-day level, and one of the keys to love, and when I see someone who has empathy, I think, ooh, that person knows how to love. That person knows how to think about where they are. That person looks beyond the possessed, looks beyond the pathetic, looks beyond the pitiful, and puts themselves right in that person's shoes, and they love them through it, and they pursue them. So just a couple things, just you can write these down or, or, or just remember them. If you really want to pause your thoughts and your emotions to, to, to think about and put yourself in someone else's thoughts and emotions, here's a couple things. The first one is you got to start asking people how they're doing. This is something that, that uh, my wife actually taught me that's brilliant. I used to do this with her a couple years ago. I would say, are you doing Okay. Well, when you ask a question and you give the answer at the end, it's not really open for dialogue. So she started to teach me, and she did it in a gracious way. Don't ask people, are they doing well? Ask people how they're doing. I know that sounds really simple, right? So you move into the conversation, and you go, i got to pause what I think. i got to pause how I feel, and I'm going to go, how do you feel? How are you feeling? How, what are you thinking right now? This is the process that Jesus went through as he pursued people. I want to care about what they think. Here's another one. Never talk about the silver lining. I mean, I could, I'm going to do a whole series on this. There's a passage of scripture, Romans 8, 28. Um, All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And a lot of times when something's going wrong in, in people's lives, you'll hear people say, well, all things work together for good, which is basically like taking someone who's really struggling and just jacking them in the nose. And that passage has just been so abused and manipulated because what that passage says, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. The first part says all things. What that means is that all the bad, horrible, difficult, challenging things that people are going through, God, not the person you're talking to, not the person in the situation, has the ability to make it good. But our job is not to go, God will make it good. Our job is to talk to them about their all things. Our job is to go, oh, that sounds awful. The point of God making something good is that it's so bad. And our job is not to go, well, God's going to make it good. Our job is to be empathetic and go, that sounds awful. Never, ever, when you're talking to someone that's going through a difficult time, never, ever, if you're trying to connect with people, use the words at least. Never. Well, at least you're going to learn this. Well, at least you got your health. Well, at least you're going to go. Never, never, never. Our job is to talk to people about what they're going through. Empathize. Usually, an answer never helps somebody. People just want to know that you're listening. At the very least, you might say something like, that sounds really hard. And I'm so sorry. It's a way to pursue someone. Join the emotion. Join the emotion. You know, the scriptures say, it's just fascinating, Paul says this. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Mourn with those who are mourning. 
You see, we often go to a solution for people. We get to kind of how to instead of connect to. We're supposed to be a group of people who care so much, we empathize so much with these broken people around us, we go, I'm gonna like find a way to turn this off and put myself in where you are. And it's not sympathy, it's empathy. It's I am going to connect with the emotion that you're going through. Who's in your life right now that you need to connect with? Who, who in your mind is pathetic, pitiful, possessed? I guarantee you, I guarantee you that Jesus Christ is saying to you, you, you know, your job is to pursue them the way that I would. And if your attitude is one of empathy, then the annoying goes away. It's a beautiful picture, I think, on a day like today because the most empathetic people probably ever interact with are moms. I mean, is, is there a mom that doesn't empathize? Is there a mom that doesn't go, oh, the pain, oh, the struggle, oh, the, the, the challenge that they're going through? Is there a mom that doesn't look past all the pitiful? I mean, come on, we got some pitiful, crazy, self-inflicted kids. They do these things, and moms just move right past it. I think moms are one of the greatest pictures of empathy in the world. So happy Mother's Day to our, to our moms. Um, I want to take a minute and just pray that God would change our heart towards people who, who, who we would call annoying. God, thank you so much for um, leading us and loving us. And God, thank you so much for, for, for looking past because you know, God, in, in seasons of my life, I've been the crazy person, I've been the pathetic person, I've been the pitiful person, I've been that. And you have cared for me. Help me to see beyond myself and, and my attitude and things that annoy me and look at people and get in their shoes. Thank you for being the perfect picture of that. In Jesus' name, amen.